0: The following is a presentation of GalacticNetcasts.com.
1: Before there was radio, TV, or podcasts, people gathered together to tell stories. These stories were meant to entertain or educate. It really drew people in and helped them forget their troubles of the day and experience something they've never imagined before, or maybe illustrated something in a way that was more easily to mentally digest. This tradition has been reborn in the forms of not only RPGs and LARPs, but in console, card, and board games as ways to tell a story and bring you into the tale. And we're going to be talking about news, kickstarters of games you should be aware of, and interview a guest about a topic that involves some aspect of storytelling. We welcome you to the Adventure Party. Hello and welcome to the 11th gathering of the Adventure Party on this, the 14th of June. I am your party leader, Brad Ludwig. We ask that you peace tie your swords, holster your blasters, and make sure you spend your eternity shards wisely while you are at the meeting table. My uh, second in command here at the Adventure Party is Glenn Bittner. He is a movie reviewer uh, on the YouTube show B Movie Bunker and creator of the RPG Mistrunner. How are you today, sir?
0: Today is a good day to die, or do a podcast, one or the other.
1: Yeah, let's stick with the podcast. Okay. Um, I, I prefer that you stuck around, Glenn. I, I've grown rather fond of you, sir.
0: <laughs> Keep it in your pants, Ludwig.
1: Uh, I, well, you know, I'm in another part of the state, so uh, that will be very easy to do. Although we are on video right now, so I mean, I could waggle a little something at you, but uh, not going to do that. Boy, that... That took a turn, didn't it? No. <laughs> Vaguely awkward and uncomfortable. All right. Hey, you know what we're going to do today, Glenn? What? We are going to talk about building the perfect beast. You know, Recruiting and selecting players for your game and what, what things you might want to consider when you put together an RPG group. You know, do you... <sighs> You always want to work to somebody's strong suits or if they are interested in pushing some boundaries in or changing their game playing habits or style, trying to find the right people to make a good cohesive group and that isn't disruptive and actually kind of get stuff done as opposed to just uh, screwing around, which uh, can tend to happen uh, when you are gaming. So. I'm sure you've never experienced that in, in, in all your times of, of running games.
0: Oh, never. <laughs> nothing been nothing but perfection over here.
1: <laughs> now, that's to say you're never going to avoid some of the jackassery that goes on at the table. There's going to be table talk and, and some screwing around, but you know, you want to kind of keep things focused. You have a finite amount of time when you play. You know everybody's got something to do and if everybody can get together for you know agreed upon amount of time whether that's two hours or six hours whatever you want to get as much gaming in as you can and to do that more often than not you really need to have a good group of people that that can be focused and and can play the game and and stay on task so that's what we're going to talk about today how to come up with uh with a good gaming group and, and maybe ways to recruit people too. Cause I, you know, sometimes you find yourself in a situation where you can't, you don't know of anybody. Maybe you're new to a particular area, you know, like if you move off to college, like I did, like probably you did too, you know, when you moved away and you're like, ah, I don't have anybody to game with. Did that happen to you, Glenn?
0: Uh, for a very brief time. Yeah. So well, two, it, week, two weeks, two weeks,
1: <laughs> and then it all sorted itself out.
0: I found guys in my dorm who played D&D, so I was all set.
1: Boom. There you go. So we'll we'll talk about that. And uh, to kind of kick this whole thing off here, we are going to start with a game review by Glenn. So what you got for us this week, Glenn?
0: I have a game that I like a lot, which is pretty much all the games I review because I don't review games I don't like. Because if you don't have something good to say, Say it in the platform. More people listen to. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> this game is called. It's called Steam Park. I got this one from Yellow Games. Uh, steam Park is so robots spend all day working out in the factories, and you know, and robots need to unwind too. So they need a place they can go to <laughs> let out some steam. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you are uh, building theme parks trying to build the best theme park to attract the most robots to your little park. This game, it has some interesting mechanics to it. First, it has a dice rolling mechanic. You have a bunch of dice where everybody rolling dice like mad, trying to get the results you want. And when you're rolling the dice, it's all just a, a mad dash, trying to be the first one to fill up you know, the spots in your card with your dice so that you can hopefully get the things you want. And the faster you get your dice rolled, the better reward you get for finishing as far as the dice go. The game comes with these great 3D ride pieces and a bunch of little wooden robot meeples. So you can build rides and you put them in your little park. Then you can attract robots who will ride your rides. But, of course, you have to attract the right robots by building the right rides for them. Because if you have blue rides and you only attract yellow robots, they aren't going to stay in your park. You need to attract blue robots or you need to have a better diversity of rides. You might have some blue rides, some yellow rides, some pink rides, whatever. Of course, your initial park isn't big enough, so you have to expand your park. And then, of course, you have to get the word out that people want to come that, well, people, robots, want to come to your park. So you build different stands that might advertise or let you, uh, if you get yellow, yellow robots showing up to your park, and you need blue ones, you can throw those yellow robots back and try to get blue ones by drawing again from this big bag of wooden robots. And, of course, robots, when they have fun, they like to leak a little bit of oil, which, of course, makes a mess. And when you build new rides, that makes a mess. And when you do lots of things, it makes a mess. So you constantly having to you clean your park as well. So you have all these things to keep track of. You have to keep track of building your rides. You have to keep track of keeping the park clean. You have to keep track of attracting the right robots as as well as, you know, having all the right accoutrements, you know, that all the right things that they will want to do at your park. Your goal is to try to make the most money. Um, I, I really like a lot of, I mean, first of all, I just like the, the idea of robots on roller coasters. I like that idea. Just somehow it just, a picture in my mind, it's, it seems fun. <laughs> and i i I love the i love the design of the game i like i like games that have those 3d pieces to them that aren't just there to be set dressing they're actually practical they serve a purpose in the game as these do because you've got the rides show you how big how much space they take up in your park because that's important because as you run a space you have to expand your park because you can't have a blue ride right next to a yellow ride that has to be space between them you can only put blue rides next to blue rides and red rides next to red rides. And then the rides are also a way to keep the robots, because once they come to your park, they stay there. They don't go away. Oh. They just keep riding the same ride over and over and over again throughout the entire game. Because, you know, <laughs> that's how that's how robots are. They they like what they like, and that's it, because that's how they're programmed. This is a game that I picked up on, a, on an absolute lark, just because I saw it at Toy Fair, and I had just heard a little bit about it. I'm like, that sounds kind of interesting. And then we got it in the store and I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And I bought it and I loved it. I like, I like lots of different things in my games. I like dice sometimes, but I don't like dice to be the only thing in the game. So games like Yahtzee are not my thing because that's nothing but roll dice. I like there being some element of luck, but this dice rolling has luck, but there's also strategy because you're rolling the dice, keeping ones, re-rolling others, to get the results you want, because the dice let you decide what actions you can do. Some dice will let you clean your park, some dice will let you build more rides or expand your park, or buy a stand. The stands are what attract new guys or stuff like that. So, you're all competing as other players to so you get your dice roll as fast as possible to get the results you want. Because the better results you get, you get rewards. If, if you're the first one done rolling your dice, you need to clean up part of your park for free. Mm-hmm. If you're the last one, your park gets dirtier. So you don't want to be that last person because now you're accumulating more dirt without even doing anything other than just being a crappy die roller. <laughs> <laughs> so, I just you know, it's, it's it's games like this where they take a what I think is just kind of a, a fun little theme and they actually put a good game to it. There's lots of games out there that have great themes, but the actual play of the game isn't that great. And, I mean, it's, it's fun with what they're doing with games now is they can wrap a good game around almost any theme. And this this game kind of shows it. I mean, who would have thought that, you know, what's a fun game? How about building roller coasters for robots? Now, some people might think that's awesome. Right. But a lot of, a lot of people are like, but what's, what's the game involved? And, then, and like, it's like roller coaster tycoon on a board, but with robots that are made of wood instead of a computer and just play the game. You'll like it. <laughs> so yellow has this habit of, of they come out with some really great games. They come out with some, some average games. They had, they release a lot of games. These are the same guys who brought us uh, King of uh, Tokyo. If you have ever played that. Oh, one.
1: Oh yeah, I've so heard Yellow, of it. I have yeah, heard.
0: Yellow's behind that. I mean, I mean, they're the publisher. They're not the designer. But yeah, this game, I just I like it a lot. It's it's a fun one. The one thing, I'm gonna I'm gonna quote from another vlog or do you want to call it. Uh, shut up and uh, I'm probably in the name now. So shut up and sit down. I think. They do game reviews, and one thing that they said about this game, aside from how much they enjoyed it, is that it's not a game that you really kind of go out of your way to play. Okay. If I called if I called people up and said, hey, you want to come over and play Steam Park? They'd be like, oh, are we going to play anything else? <laughs> because if they come over and I say, "You want to come over and play games, they're like, yeah, sure. They come over and we play Steam Park and they have fun. But it's not the game that draws people over. Like if I called them up and said, hey... You want to come over and play some Tokinoko or play some uh, Pandemic? They'd come over. Steam Park—it's that—it's a fun game, but you aren't thinking about it when you're not playing it, kind of thing. Okay. So it's you know it's it's like some of those movies you see on late night TV where you don't think about them until you're flipping channels and it's like, oh, hey, Sharky's Machine, I'll watch this.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. So I like it. It's it's a it's a fun little game. It does have a bit of a, a price tag to it. Um, that's, that's one thing with yellows games is they tend to have a little higher price than the average board game. But in my experience, I mean, I've played the game already probably 10, 11 times since I bought it. So okay. I've definitely gotten my money's worth out of it because I always do my, my comparison I always the, how many movies could I see for how many times i played it? Sure. Yep. And even if I do the $5 Tuesdays at Marcus theaters, <laughs> I pretty much broken even now if I don't get anything to eat or drink. So
1: yeah, no,
0: and that's just that's just for me. All the other people who have had such pleasure playing games with me, because I know what a peach I am. <laughs> <laughs> and I always the table. So that's what I've got for this week is Steam Park. Check it out. Give yeah, some and, love to robots.
1: And Glenn is saying yellow. That is I-E-L-L-O. Yes. So, I E L L O.
0: So clarify that.
1: Uh, And it looks like you can get it for somewhere around $55. It's about the right normal price. Depending on, you know, we encourage you to support local game shops. So you're going to find it around that $55 mark. But it's uh, two to four players, and it takes about an hour to play, which to me, I'm sold. You tell me you can come over for a couple of hours and we can get a couple of games in, boom, I'm there. And it doesn't seem to be... It, looking at the difficulty level on it. It's you know, middle of the road. It's a it's a strategy game, two to four players, hour to play. I would I would be all all in for that.
0: Yeah, rules rules are really simple. It's the, the thing that takes a bit of time to pick up is knowing what to build when.
1: Okay. Particularly
0: sure. when it comes to the different stands because each stand does different things, but they're all everything's always also limited in number. So there's only so many uh, stands, oh, sure. advertising stands. There's only so many, basically bathrooms, which help keep your park clean. And once they're gone, they're gone. Same mm-hmm. thing with the rides. Okay. There's only there's only one one red or pink ride that has four spots in it. Only one pink ride that has three, and so on. So if somebody buys two of the biggest pink rides, you might not invest in those because it's not going to be worth it. Sure. But sometimes, you know, you you get that diversity. You throw four or five different rides of different colors in your park, and you think, okay, I can just track. I have a better chance of attracting robots, but your rides fill up faster. So yeah, it's it's. I like games where the rules are simple, and the strategy is what really sets it apart from from just being a roll and move type of game.
1: Sure. No, that sounds like a great game. Well, thank you very much for bringing that to our
0: attention. And we will be running it at Glencon.
1: Excellent. And uh, here's another reminder: Glenn Con will be in Glendale, Wisconsin, uh, just outside of Milwaukee, in the in the suburbs of Milwaukee, essentially. And that is July twenty four, twenty
0: five, and twenty six.
1: Yes. So, and that is basically put on by uh, the board game barrister there in Glendale, Wisconsin. So. Uh, And it's free. It is free to attend. So if you are listening in the Wisconsin area uh, and are willing to make that drive to uh, Glendale, Wisconsin, just outside of Milwaukee there, I would encourage you to go because the amount of games that are available to you are ridiculous in number. And by ridiculous, I mean they stand at least six feet high, maybe seven feet high. And this is not a lie. This is the God's honest truth, seven feet tall, and, and I don't know how wide was that, that wall of, of <laughs> so Two under
0: the Giants. Two under the Giants, side by side.
1: So like about 14 feet in, so seven feet tall by about 14 feet wide in games. Yes, we're not giving you a number of games because there's just so many games there that we can only go by quantity in an area, I guess. <laughs> in measurement so yeah uh, check it out it's 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 well worth the time spent playing and you get exposed to so many different games it's it's wonderful absolutely wonderful all right uh we're gonna go to the news here and i found something that really kind of intrigued me now did you play mist and ribbon back in the day when it was uh you know that computer game
0: I did not play them back in the day. Okay. I was I was one of those people like I'm not playing it just because everyone's playing it. <laughs> yeah. Ah, one of those. And people. I didn't own a copy. Um, sure. I played it later after I had played Pissed <laughs> which was the, the Mists parody. Yep. So I didn't get a lot of the humor in it at first, but it made the clock tower part, if I remember right, the clock tower is pretty annoying. It made the clock tower much easier. I think it was a clock tower or some kind of tower. That was a very annoying point in the original mist. Yeah. I it's Cause in this you need to shoot a catapult at it.
1: <laughs> See now, it's been, a, I owned mist and I owned ribbon, but it's literally been at least 16, 17 years since I last played it. So I, I recall nothing uh, about but, it at this point. I remember just being blown away by, the artistry and the, the the puzzles, but that's like all that I remember at this point. Mm-hmm. But what's really interesting is that an RPG now that is called Unwritten is now available, and it brings Mist to the table. Mist, the groundbreaking video game series by Cyan Incorporated, is a game that many of us uh, have played over the years. Well, with the success of a recent Kickstarter campaign, you can now play it on your tabletop. Inkworks Productions has released Unwritten Adventures in the Age of Mist and Beyond. And you can pick up a copy over at Drive Through RPG, which uh, Glenn and I have recommended a number of times uh, for getting your games. RPGs, that, especially the ones that are really hard to find. The game focuses on the Deny and their linking books, which let them travel anywhere and everywhere. The game uses the Fate Gaming System, which we've talked about in the past, most notably, I think, in uh, Episode 7 when we talked to Pat Rothfuss, uh, and is focused on Discovery. There are rules for playing both in the modern world as well as in the historical Deny. Uh, Of course, since the linking books let you travel where you want, you can basically have any possible location you can think of be a part of the game. Uh, The PDF version is pay what you want, while the soft cover is $20. And we got that story from tabletopgamingnews.com. Now, would you give something like that a
0: try? I would, but I will try almost anything once.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And there's no shame in that. Uh, that's, That's how you discover really cool things. Yeah, I... The, the linking books, being able to travel anywhere through through those books, and then using fate on top of that, which really encourages more of the storytelling dynamics sounds like it would be a really good marriage, uh, as it were, uh, for concept and game system. Uh, I am really intrigued by this, and uh, you know if I could convince my Monday night group to give this a try. I'm not sure if we would do Dresden Files first because that uses Fate, or we'd give this a go first. But I would, I would, I would love to give this a try. I, the the world of Mist and Riven was so imaginative and rich. It would be very interesting to see how they go about sort of, sh- making that shift from desktop game to RPG and and give people the ability to create their own sort of. I don't know their own stories based on the mechanics that were offered in in, in Mist and Ribbon. So I, I bet you, with the right storyteller, it would be probably a very very amazing game to play. So
0: I think with the right storyteller, uh, pretty you, much anything. Pretty much anything. You know, you could do Full House. The RPG could be a, a good game <laughs> with with the right game master. Though well, that would have to be somebody who would be wasting your talents running games.
1: Yeah. Hey, Glenn. Cut it out. Uh, yeah. Okay, we went there. So that means we're done with the news. Uh, But at least just for this portion of the news, we're going to have Ryan Murphy, who's a frequent contributor to Galactic Netcasts, give us a little bit of the Galactic Gaming news. And he covers more of the digital beat of gaming, and he has an update for us.
2: So take it away, Ryan. Welcome to Galactic Gaming News for the week of June 3rd, I'm your host Ryan Murphy, let's take a look at the headlines from Out of This World. First up, a follow up from last week, XCOM 2 is a thing. Last week we talked about a teaser website put up by 2K discussing the advent future. This week the secret has been revealed and as predicted, we have XCOM 2. This PC exclusive will launch in November of this year and features new enemies, new settings, new bases, same old council voice. Welcome back, Commander. Oh, that's terrible. Also, as predicted, aliens have won the war and promise a better life for humans by taking over Earth. You fight as the resistance attempting to wake people up to the truth. Sounds awesome, right? Next up, ODST drops on the Master Chief Collection. The Master Chief Collection remains a sore spot for Xbox One owners. What was meant to be the ultimate collection launched as the ultimate broken mess. To make up for this blunder, Microsoft promised a free download of ODST. That promise has now been fulfilled with ODST launching on Xbox Live. Best part? If you were tricked into buying Master Chief Collection after the cutoff date for the free apology, it's only 5 bucks to purchase. Not too shabby. Jump out of early access and on to Xbox One. Massive Chalice is here and it's officially launched on PC and Xbox One. It's also free on Xbox One if you have gold. Xbox Live Gold, that is. If you throw gold at your Xbox, you will probably not get a free copy of Massive Chalice. You'll probably have to go buy a new Xbox One. Anyways, we spoke about XCOM earlier in the episode, and if you're a fan, you can experience strategic turn-based combat with Massive Chalice while you wait. I've been having a blast with this Double Fine title, and if you're not convinced, check out my Ryan Plays Massive Chalice series currently running on my YouTube channel. Game is really cool. This has been Galactic Gaming News, a weekly segment for Galactic Netcast. For everything I do, go to ryanmurphy.ca or follow me on Twitter at rmurphy. If you're interested in more video game goodness, be sure to check out The Gamers Inn at gamersinpodcast.com. Each week, Jocelyn Moffat and I run down the games we've been playing, chat industry news, and take questions or comments from listeners like you. Thanks for listening.
1: All right, thanks for that report, Ryan. Really appreciate it. Uh, we are going to move on to our kickstarter spotlight but before we highlight our new one we're going to go back and we're going to take a look at our last game that we highlighted and that game was the sixth gun role-playing game and and we talked about how the sixth gun is a uh, a very interesting comic book and savage worlds which has gotten the licensing for it. And they have created an RPG based on this. Now the six gun, there are six, six shooters that all have some kind of mystical capability. And this game takes place in the wild west. So it's such an interesting aesthetic of wild west, supernatural, supernatural, you know, I when I read it, I really thought of the main character as like a an Americanized John Constantine in the Wild West with a six shooter. Yeah. He has kind of yeah. that. He's not as ruthless, but he has seen a lot of fighting, and he he does have that bit of gosh ruthless gunfighter to a certain degree. But he's very knowledgeable in, in the supernatural and some of the things that he does in order to get information from, especially in the, in the first issue, he goes to the, to the crossroads where there are, he performs a ritual to get some information from basically a person swinging by their neck and they're dead. And he mm-hmm. uses the supernatural powers to call forth something to use that, that body Uh, To give him information and it it was just so creepy to read that but it was he gets away with what he's trying to do because he has to make a deal as well and it it just was fascinating. So to see them actually turn that into an RPG system where you can play in that fascinating world that mixes the supernatural with six guns is probably going to be a hell of a thing. And this is done by I said Savage Worlds is, is the system, uh, and it's being done by Pinnacle Entertainment Group and Oni Press. Uh, Oni Press is the company that put out the comics. So, and as I recall, when we talked about this, the creator or one of the writers for the Six Gun is actually working on material for this as well. So you know Ooh. that what is being done is canonical. <laughs> It is canon, essentially, uh, with what is in the comic. And, you know, maybe if you purchase this RPG, you'll actually, if you are a fan of the comic, you might get a little bit more insight or a little bit better understanding of some of the mechanics of the magic of the world and how uh, supernatural beings work. So at this point in time, there's still 11 days to go. They, the pledge level that they were looking for was $6,000. $6, dollars. I hope they, they make it. <laughs> they are currently at $45,000 uh, on their way to forty six, dollars uh, very solidly. There are 604 backers. So this thing is most certainly a go. Uh, if you, if you uh, pledge, and this is a reminder, if you pledge at the $25 level, get a PDF version of the game. And then any of the digital stretch goals that are unlocked. And uh, if you pledge at the $30 level, so just $5 more, you get the PDF and a soft cover version. And the digital and physical stretch goals as they are unlocked. So $30 bucks gets you a lot of stuff. And that level will be released in August, August of this year, just to be, just to be clear, because sometimes you don't know with uh, Kickstarter, but uh, no, they have everything ready to go. Cause if you just pledge at the $25 level and you get the PDF version, this estimated delivery is June. That's this month. So in 11 days, they're going to flip a switch and bam, you've got a, a PDF copy available for you. So There's not going to be any messing around. There's not going to be any waiting for six months for anything to be printed. It is ready to go right now. So Glenn and I discussed last week, and we both have a strong feeling that this is going to be an excellent setting and a very good game to pick up. So there you go. That is our recap of last week's Kickstarter, which was the Six-Gun RPG for Savage Worlds. Now we are going to go to our new Kickstarter spotlight and that game is
0: wombat rescue (laughs) okay wombat rescue
1: yeah you have me at the name here what's uh what's wombat rescue all about
0: well first let me give you some science did you know that wombats poop cubes i did not it is true and scientists theorize that due to their extremely poor vision but amazing sense of smell smell wombats use their poop cubes as smell markers to help them navigate their environment. And because the poop is cube-shaped, it's less likely to roll away.
1: <laughs> that is brilliant.
0: Yes. <laughs> now, this game takes an idea and says this. You are playing a mama wombat, and the dastardly dingo has stormed your burrow and chased away your four baby wombats. You will need to eat and digest food in order to produce poop cubes which you will use to build smell areas. You can navigate your envi- environment, find your babies, and bring them home. The player who plans best their smell areas and moves most efficiently will find their four babies, bring them home, and prove victorious. <laughs> that is- this game looks amazing. The board is, it's it's all hexes that you're, you're moving through, and you have a little for lack of a better term, a digestion board of you have your little wombat and as you move on the board, you eat food. Of course, the food first goes in your mouth and the next turn it moves down your throat, then into your stomach, then into your intestines, and then eventually pops out as a poop cube. (laughs) You actually have a, a little illustrated picture of the digestive system of your wombat as the food is moving through it. So, this move, it just, it looks so much, like so much fun. Matt Wolf is the designer behind this and as I was saying before, man, how they can just take a theme of anything and make a game out of it. Who would have thought that cube poop from a wombat would make a game? And the game looks pretty interesting. So as you move around the board, you can you can never be more than two spaces away from one of your poop cubes without getting lost. If you are ever further away than that, you have to draw a wandering card, which basically means you just wandered to a, uh, a random tile around you because it'll... There's different uh, land types. Like, they'll like, I don't sure. know if, if they're called in particular, but there's, like, you know, there's looks like a, a, a desert-y one, like a plains one in a forest. And you draw a card, and it'll have, like, either desert or or plains on it. And you have to move to one of those two that you're by. You might get lucky and be able to move back to where you have some smell cubes where you can get closer to it. Or if you're closer to your babies, you can smell them. But there's a lot of planning that, that definitely goes into this because you have to navigate because your babies will be in different spots of the board because obviously they're not all gonna be in one spot that'd be sure, too easy yeah. yep yeah just the fact that you I mean you have to eat food first of all because you don't have if you don't eat food you got nothing to poop out yeah so it's a matter of, of getting to the food before someone else does pooping out stuff in the right way I mean it just man this is it's like it captures the mature gamer that I am <laughs> I mean, mature as in I'm an older gamer and I, I like strategy and stuff like that, but it also captures the 11 year old in me where it's like, I'm making poop. Poop cubes. I'm making poop cubes so I can <laughs> smell my way to victory. <laughs> I love the smell of poop cubes in the morning.
1: <laughs> it smells like victory.
0: And uh, I mean, their goal they set was $10,000. Oh, and here, you know what? I didn't even think about this. I'm an idiot. I misread this as days to go. It's hours. Oh, that's yeah, that's fine. So people what? look for this game when, when you're done, when, when you hear this. Look for it in stories shortly, expecting it in October.
1: Yes, and uh, you can also get more information at eagle-griffin.com.
0: Yes, this, and this will definitely be in stores. Eagle Griffin is a known publisher of games. They will make you the, the games they make, you, you'll be able to get in stores. And if you don't have a store near you, you should be able to buy this on the internet eventually. But it will be out. Eagle Griffin publishes a lot of games. I carry them in my store. So I will have this in my store. I know that for a fact. And it's kind of a good price. I mean, it's looking like it's going to retail for about $39. That probably tells me it'd be closer to 45 But yeah. you get a lot of wood chips or wood cubes, and you get little wooden dingos and little wooden. No, sorry dingoes wombats and babies and all sorts of stuff. So you get a lot of there's a lot of wood in your poop set. <laughs> uh,
1: um, and you know uh, some of the things that they they're not gonna unfortunately unlock anything more than their top uh let's see they haven't listed it here but they're up to a point where there are dingo protection tiles. One for each player. The dingo protection tile will cause the dingo to ignore you for one round. Perfect for sneaking around right under his nose. So as you are moving about the board, obviously there is danger of uh, of a dingo catching your scent and uh, causing some havoc there. So that will help protect you. That is cool. That's that's a shame that they're not going to get to some of these other ones. Like if they had gotten to 40,000 there would have been a fifth player. So it could have supported up to five players, but right now it supports up to four. So uh, eagle hyphen griffin.com is where you'll be able to find more information about this. So, wow. Yeah. This just, this does look like a, a a lot of fun.
0: It does. It really does. And it's a game I think I get almost anyone to play.
1: You had me at poop cubes. Yeah. Not going to have
0: most people at poop cubes.
1: Not going to lie. All right. Well, thank you very much for sharing that with us. That is that is awesome. Very awesome. Now we're going to get to the uh, discussion portion here. And I mentioned earlier uh, in in the show that we were going to talk about recruiting and selecting players for your game, building a gaming group. It's a little like alchemy, you know. You need to have the right type of gamers together to accomplish the type of storytelling that you, are, you want to set about. And if you try to, and it depends on the demeanor of the people, you know, you might have a gaming group where you've got power gamers and you've got people that like to role play. I was in a group like that, that uh, Todd Roll had put together. So yeah, I managed to sneak him in yet another episode. Where we had, and, and I know when Rob Benton, our second guest on the show, talk about the gaming group that we had you know rob is more of a he loves to roll he loves to min max and get the most out of his character and his wife jess is more of a role player and you basically tell her okay you have this many dice to roll to accomplish the thing i mean it's to her it's more about furthering the story and being a part of the story so finding that right group of people that despite their differences, still get along, still move a game along and continue to be a joy to play with can be difficult at times to put together. So how do you go about putting that magical dream team together? And uh, I wanted to discuss with Glenn and try to come up with a good idea of how to make that happen. So, you know, some of the ways that I know of to, to try to put that group together. I'm just going to start off with, you know, friends and friends of friends, you know, maybe your the situation I found myself when I, you know, finished up college in lacrosse is I wanted to game, <laughs> but I didn't know who I could really game with. And I had a friend who, you know, he's like, Hey, you know, uh, I do some gaming and you seem like a pretty cool guy. Maybe uh, I'll talk to some people and see if we can get you in our group and it worked out. And I started playing D&D again, second edition. <laughs> and this is back in uh, 1991, 92. So this is a little while ago, but got to get my feet wet again and figure out Thacko <laughs> and, and play some D&D. And that was really kind of cool. When you have been in a jam to create a group, Glenn, how have you gone about putting that together?
0: Well, generally, when I've had a, a good group, there's a lot of luck involved. I won't lie, Yeah. Uh, at least at least in mine, because after my, my high school group, which was mostly my friends that I played with, once that kind of disbanded, because we all went away to college, I had to find people that I didn't know that well to play with. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the guys I started with, you know, two weeks after I had to school, I was lucky enough to find some guys to play D&D with. And... Well I enjoyed playing D D with them and, and several of them. It wasn't what I would call an amazing group. I had I have good memories of that time. I think some of the best groups I've put together has it's been very trial and error. And as I said, luck. I mean I lucked into some very good players when I, I met former guest on the adventure party, Randy. I'm sorry, Doctor Randy Wolfmeyer. <laughs> when I knew him, he was just Randy Wolfmeyer. Um and his his wife Gretchen when I when I met them through uh, a mutual friend of ours, Jeff, that initially was pure luck. And I had, they're great gamers. They really, really are. When Gretchen wasn't falling asleep because she worked so much at her job, they were great gamers. So yeah, so I, I, I lucked into some good gamers. And I think part of it is that, a big part of it is that we were friends outside of the gaming group. And I think that played into it is that, is that we had, it, we weren't just people who met you know once a week or on a table, that's how we started out, but then eventually, you know, they, I don't know, took pity on me as the guy who wasn't part of their original group, and we did things outside of it, and when you build a strong friendship with people, I think that carries over to the table a strong bond of friendship, and you care more about the people you're playing with, and that in it translates into caring more about their characters as well. It also means that you're less likely to put up with some nonsense, but you won't put up with too much shit from them, because they know how far they can push you and you know how far you can push back. And and, uh, because you're friends, you know what people's tipping points are. You know what people's, people's buttons are, you know when you can push them and when you shouldn't. But it's harder with people that you don't know that well, obviously. You don't know what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, what their, their hot button is. You know, if you, if you talk about something specific that, you know, it'll throw them off into a tizzy, you don't know those things yet. And, it takes work. It really takes a lot of work to find those people. Uh, you're, not, you're not always going to get lucky and just have people fall in your lap. I and mean, even with playing with Rainy and Gretchen, there are people I played with, with them that were not the best gamers. And I think part of it, it's, I think finding gamers has gotten a bit harder with some of the younger generation, or even people in my generation, who are a bit of techno addicts because cell phones and such are a huge distraction at the table. And it, I think it detracts a lot from the game because people don't engage as strongly as they used to in a lot of ways. So it's just, it's, you got to work at it. You really do. And, and you really need to form those friendships. It's, it's hard. I've had good sessions like one-offs with people I don't know, you know, like at a con, but it's not the same as playing with that established group that you've, you've established a strong friendship with outside of the table, outside of the the gaming thing. That's, that's what really makes, I think a good group is that you have that bond both at the table and away from the table.
1: Yeah, that really does help. Absolutely. Although that can lead to some weird, if you have, (laughs) I'm going to throw out an example here. We had run into, we were playing the villains game uh, with my Monday night group. And this is Pathfinder. And had a situation where somebody wasn't doing what they probably could have. (laughs) And it was like needing to remind somebody of their abilities and, and, you know, and and I'm no angel on it either. I'm not going to lie about that, but it was a couple of things happened that were kind of blatantly obvious. Hey, you could do this and probably save half the party from needing to be healed or brought back to life. And it wasn't happening. So, I'm usually a pretty congenial, easygoing person, but, you know, I'm in a, playing a character who has no patience and I let somebody have it. <laughs> and luckily, having a group that, you know, can separate the, you know, table persona versus the real person persona it wasn't that big of a deal but i could see friction on either side if you have a fight in the game or have a fight in real life that causing some strife possibly within the group itself so that that's a that's a that's a catch 22 you know it's it's something that by and large you should have you know having some kind of camaraderie and you know maybe you're not going to invite you know some of these people to be your uh, your best man or <laughs> you know, uh, give send them Christmas cards or you know whatever. But having a a respect and admiration and competence that they're competent gamers that you're playing with uh, really does does help. So, so there you go. Mm-hmm. Now, when we talk about the type of gamer, we're talking about like like I said earlier, the role player versus the Hack and slasher versus the you know the power gamer, somebody that wants to get all the goodies, wants to kill all the things, you know. Which both are very valid approaches to to role playing. I'm not going to say one is better than the other because that is not true. What you want out of a game is is perfectly acceptable. Now it's just finding that right marriage, as it were, of getting a group together that is either of a like mind for gaming style or are very flexible and are willing to go, okay, you want to kill all the things and we want to role play. There's a way to make that work. And I think that might be a little bit more difficult for a storyteller to try to find that right balance. But if the storyteller is willing to take that task on, I think that it could work. So what are your thoughts when you put a group together? How do you try to strike that balance with the type of role player that your group members could
0: be when putting a group together? I try to limit the number of the, the hack and slash type, the munchkin style gamer. I don't want to have one because that automatically creates tension between those players. Um, two is that you can deal with one in the group fairly easily. They're generally fairly easy to appease. You just throw some gold or a plus two sword at them, and they go on their way. But now, if you have two of them, well, now that's more stuff so you got to throw throw their way to keep these people, you know, complacent, you know, or to keep them quiet. You know, there's only so many Christians you can throw the lines before you run into Christians. So, the smaller crowd you have to please, the better. I like to load up. I mean, if, if, I, if I have my way, I love just having nothing but just the people who want to, not 100%, but like 80% of the time, they want to explore and solve riddles and talk. They want to find diplomatic solutions and stuff. They want to investigate things. They want to unearth clues. I try to get as many of those people as I can in my game, most games, because most games I run now, I lean more towards the role-playing side than I do towards the, the you know, let's just go kill a bunch of monsters side because I find he a lot more game in that way. yeah yep combat as much as, as much as I enjoy you know chopping off orc heads, it takes a lot of time It really really does even in, in streamlined games it takes up a, a big chunk of time so I try I try to find more of the of the role player types and, and limit the the hack and slash types try to limit it to one. I've been interested in more than one that it usually just doesn't work. It, it only works if that's everyone. Yeah. If everyone in the group is hacking slash, then yeah, because then you just if you're the if you're the GM, you just throw tons of crap at them all the time because you give them stuff, but that means you can also just throw at, unending hordes of stuff at them because that's all they want, mm-hmm. and that's fun for a one off for me at least. I can't do that all the time. I, I get I get really tired of that after a while where it's the same thing over and over again. I want I want there to be different changes and I want players who don't want the same thing over and over again. Yeah. But you know, it's 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 hard because you're not you're often not going to find the type of player that you want at that time.
1: Yeah, I could see that. I I could definitely see that. It's like finding a girlfriend. <laughs> it's when you're not or or a significant other, whatever. When you're not looking, that's when you find it. It it can be really tough. It can be really tough putting that perfect group together. And
0: Yeah. And I mean, I've had, I've done numerous times where I've I've done the where I've responded to like the ad in a game store. I even did one through a BBS site way back in the day, where I responded to those, and none of those ended well. Mm. One one end well, one ended okay, but the rest were all just absolute. I I can see where they're looking for players because I, those are the types where you had the two or three people who wanted, they wanted to be the all-powerful God among uh, gods. Yeah. And it just, there was always conflict in the group, always of, I mean, it would dev- devolve into arguments constantly of who could kill who, who was the bigger, who was the bigger badass. I'm like, but we're on the same team. Well, I don't i don't understand. We're on the, I don't watch World War II movies and it's not just a bunch of guys waiting to storm on the beach all talking about how, well, I'm going to kill a hundred Nazis. Well, I'm going to kill a hundred. It wasn't, you know, you didn't have that, Constant arguing back and forth. I want the machine gun. No, I want the machine gun. I get the <laughs> and that's what what this always turned into with a lot of those groups. It was it was hard bec- and a big part is because I didn't know the people. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's really hard when you don't know the people. I, I've had some good luck at cons, but I've also had some terrible luck at cons.
1: Mm, yeah, and
0: part of that is there's a thing with I don't know if people know this about gamers is that we are not and this doesn't apply to everyone. But gamers in general are not the most socially outgoing people, yeah. and I've felt a lot of times when they're with people they don't know, people who are more introverted become more so because that's what introverts do. they don't they don't you know go, "Hey, you're new, I want to meet you and talk to you and have fun. no, that's not an introvert. And you have people who I've played at cons and stuff where it's like is anyone gonna do anything <laughs> you, you've you've got the map to the place. Are you going to... You know, I can see,
1: like, in in doing a con, if if you are running a game at a convention, if you can kind of stack the deck with... And I don't want to sound disingenuous, but if you can have somebody in the con that you kind of know that can be extroverted, but also not in a fashion that dominates gameplay, but, like hey, you do this, and uh, I bet you do that pretty well. How about, you know, how about you do a thing here and just try to draw them out and pull them into the game? I could see that probably kind of working. Yeah, because it's it's interesting how when you get a group of introverts first together, it's not until you get a couple of sessions in that people start to get comfortable with each other, and then they let their guards down, and then they become a little bit more extroverted at the table. Uh, when you're doing a one-shot at a con, uh, yeah, that's that can be really rough. That can be really rough. And I've actually been at a Gen Con game where it was kind of stone quiet, you know? You could, you could hear a penny drop at that table because everybody was just kind of like, well, I'm going to be quiet now and think about what I'm going to do, which, you know, is acceptable, but... Then, you know, me being me is like, ha ha and just start acting kinda of like a jackass, get people to relax a little bit and uh, do the thing. So
0: Yeah, that's 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 a big part, is, is is getting a new group together is making people feel at ease. That's that's a huge part of it. Which is easier to do with people you already know. Yeah. But it's still something you have to try to do when you're playing with people, someone new to the group, someone completely new to the group, someone that you know, might just be a friend of a friend, like I was when I, when I first played with Randy and Gretchen. Mm-hmm. I figured I'd start off great because at that time I was a baker, so I showed up with cookies. <laughs> there you go. another like, you know, the six foot one inch bald guy who looked kind of angry, showing at their door, isn't <laughs> you know, and, I'm here to play games, and I brought cookies. <laughs> and it was instant friendship. Bought the only wait for it with flour and chocolate.
1: See, and and the only other way you could have made that better is uh, two leaders of Mountain Dew. Yeah. <laughs> so we've covered, you know, ways to to put that, that group together and we we've kind of talked about, you know, the friend of a friend sort of a way to 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 build that team and also trying to put together either like role players or people that work well together despite you know what they look for in a game whether it's role-playing or you know body count or treasure accumulation what other things have we is there anything that we've missed here
0: of course there is we just don't know what it is
1: (laughs) okay well you know what I think we're gonna we're gonna leave it there those are the things that we can think of right now and Maybe we'll come back to this in, at some point in the future and, and, and take another run at it if there's something else that, that we've missed. Or if, uh, folks, you write to us at galacticnetcasts at gmail.com and say, hey, jackasses, you forgot this. Uh, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Speaking of which, hello, my name is. That's your opportunity to tell us about your favorite character that you are currently playing or you have played in the past you know maybe you've had a great group that was pure alchemy pure gold and you got to play a character that was so awesome that you need to tell the world about it and and we would love to hear about it so you can go to galacticnetcasts.com and go to the adventure party page and there is a link for hello my name is and when you click that you can just fill out a short form yes we do ask for your email address we do not spam we do not collect those email addresses for any other purpose than to send you a certificate suitable for framing for you to basically show everybody that you know that you were on adventure party and we talked about your character and you get bragging rights to all the i don't know how many people actually listen to us i wish i had a good solid number but we've seen continual growth since we've been uh, since we've been doing the show so Uh, That is wonderful, and we really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen and telling friends about the Adventure Party. We're going to wrap things up here, and I want to thank you, Glenn, once again, for taking that journey with us and discussing another RPG and or board gaming topic and uh, coming up with answers to the questions that we have and perhaps others do too. Uh, Where else can people find out more about what you do as a movie critic and about Mistrunner?
0: Ah, well, you can find out more from me. Uh, I am on Facebook. Uh, you can find me just under my name, Glenn Bittner. You can find me, uh on Facebook. You can find me, Naked Hobo Productions on Facebook and the Beam Movie Bunker, as well as Beam Movie Bunker and Naked Hobo Productions on YouTube. Follow me on Twitter at Naked Hobo. And I do do some game reviews on uh, my store website, uh, BoardGameBarrister.com. Look for me in the blog.
1: Yes, I've uh, read some of your reviews there, and uh, I remember reading your actual physical write-up of, what is it, the Castle of Mad
0: King? Castle Louis? of Mad King Llewellyn. Yes. I also reviewed Steam Park on there.
1: Nice. See, there we go. If you want to see an actual physical written form of this and not just a visual version, which you can see on our YouTube channel, which is uh, youtube.com slash galactic netcasts, and you can look for the Adventure Party playlist. You can also check us out on iTunes and Stitcher, and if you do, we really ask uh, that you take a moment to give us a review and let us know what you think, besides the fact that we need more guests, <laughs> which uh, we've had some good luck, but we, uh, we're going to start hitting more people up in, in about July. I do have a topic idea about miniature painting with uh, J.F. Debo, who is an author and uh, also a contributor and uh, almost professional guest on some of our other Galactic Netcast shows. A very cool guy, and he is huge into miniature gaming and loves to, uh, to paint miniatures. So we're going to be speaking with JF about that. But if you have negative, positive review, any feedback from you will help us ultimately make a better show. And, and that's really what it's all about. We want to make sure that the time that you spend listening to us is is well spent and you're not left going, meh. Nah. <laughs> We'd like you to come back and enjoy good quality discussions about RPGs and board games. And poop cubes. And poop cubes and wombats. You can always uh, leave us feedback, not only from giving us you know, reviews on iTunes and Stitcher you can also, like I mentioned before, you can email us at galacticnetcasts at gmail.com. You can also go to our number 805-328-3966. That is 805-328-3966. And you can leave a message or you can text that number and rates may apply depending on your Particular cell package that you have. You can also go to galacticnetcasts.com. And on the right hand side, we have a WordPress plugin that allows you to, if you have a microphone attached to your computer, right there on the spot, leave us a voice message and let us know what you think. And we'd be more than happy to discuss that, play it back, and share it with other people. And, uh, either address a concern that you may have about the show or, uh, or if it's a, a correction that you have or maybe some other type of feedback. Uh, we'd love to play it and, and talk about it. All right. And that is a wrap for this, the 11th episode of The Adventure Party, which we have entitled Building the Perfect Beast. One, because uh, I really love, I wanted to say Glenn Fry. It's not Glenn Fry. It's the other one.
0: Glenn Close.
1: Don Henley. A, <laughs> Building the Perfect Beast is, is a great album from the 80s because uh, you and I are both 80s kids. So there you go. But also, it seemed fitting. You want to build a, a decent group, it, it becomes its own beast, a life of its own when you put together either a good one or a bad one. <laughs> it becomes something that uh, takes on a life of its own and something that you need to take good care of and and feed as it were uh, with good storytelling and sometimes a little bit of moderation (laughs) depending on internal things that might happen in a group but anyway there you have it so we want to thank you for joining us at the adventure party and may your characters never die and your adventures always be epic thank you very much and good night
0: You have been listening to a presentation of GalacticNetcasts.com. For more about the show you just listened to, including how to subscribe, give us feedback, links to our social feeds, and more, please visit www.galacticnetcasts.com.